Well, as we uh, start out this morning, I was thinking about Confederate dollars, <laughs> okay, Confederate money. So this is real stuff. Kidding, I printed it off on my printer. I'll, don't, don't like, let's not, let's like edit this out of the uh, thing. Is like, will I get arrested or something? I don't know. Does it count if you counterfeit Confederate money? I don't know. But uh, anyway, I was thinking about this kind of thing and thinking, imagine with me for a second if you could go back in time and say that you were living in the South uh, during the Civil War era, right? And let's, let's imagine that uh, it was getting towards the end of that kind of war and you knew, I mean, you knew that the end was going to be coming. The Confederacy, within a matter of weeks or months, the Confederacy would be no more and would be joined back with uh, the northern part of the United States and would be one. Imagine if every Everything you owned had been converted into Confederate dollars, and you knew that within a matter of weeks or months, maybe at most a year, right? You knew that the Confederate dollar, the Confederate currency, would be no more, right? That it would it would cease to have value. It would cease to be something that you could use to buy or to sell uh, goods or services, that kind of thing. If you had, if every dollar you had was in Confederate money and you knew it was going to lose all value sometime within the next year, how would you live? How would, how would it change the way that you use currency? I want you to take just a minute, turn to a person or two or three around you and share your answers, okay? How, how would you, how would it change the way you use money? What would you do if you knew a currency conversion was coming and this would cease to, to have value. Go ahead and turn and, and share. It's okay to talk in church. Go ahead. All right, let's bring it back together. What kinds of answers are you sharing? What, how, what, would, it, what would you do? Spend it. Spend it, Spend it on what? Things that, you, things that would continue to have value later, yeah. What's that? Charity. You'd give some of it away, right? You'd give it more, much more freely, right? It's, it's going to be worthless tomorrow anyway, right? <laughs> give it away. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yes. What else? What was that? Buy gold. Yeah, convert it into something that would continue to have value. Absolutely. Buy gold or silver or whatever. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, it seems like if, if we were smart, right, we would, uh, we would take the Confederate currency and we would convert it immediately into something that would have lasting kinds of value so that you wouldn't get caught with worthless money, right, <laughs> sometime down the, down the line. Somebody mentioned it, but I think you would become much more generous. I mean, I think I, I would buy stuff for other people. You'd, you'd give it to others that, that, that needed some, that they could buy uh, daily bread and provisions and that kind of stuff. It seems like you would convert as much of it as possible and you would only keep the bare minimum that you would need just to live on from day to day kinds of things because you would not want to be stuck with a whole bunch of these things that would be worth nothing. You know, it, it's, I'm sharing about Confederacy, but this has happened many times throughout world history, right? I, I lived uh, in Russia during an era when there was inflation was in, was above a hundred percent a year, right? And so currency ceased to have much value. People could bring uh, their entire life savings and use it at that point for what would be the cost of a loaf of bread, 
right? It just it ceased to have value. Uh, and so people would buy hard currency. They would buy American dollars at that time. <laughs> they may or may not do that today. But they, right, they, but they would convert it into things that would hold their value, into things that would last. Well, here's why I'm bringing it up today. I, I, uh, you might think this is a stretch, but I would argue that God's book teaches us that there is another kind of con- currency conversion coming for every person in this room. It could happen at any day. It could happen any time. And when that exchange takes place, all the currency that you have along with every house or car or toy or electronic gadget, every piece of clothing that you own will cease to have any real value whatsoever. The time, the energy, the effort, the money, the opportunity uh, that you spent focused on the here and now, on the temporary, will really be worthless from that moment forward. And the only thing that will have real value then will be sort of a new kind of kingdom currency. How many dollars you had before that, what kind of job, you know, what kind of salary you pulled down, what kind of car you drove, uh, even how easy life had been for you up until that point really would have very little value or, or, or lasting uh, purpose from that point forward. Listen to this uh, straight from the lips of Jesus who says this, Matthew six nineteen through 21. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and rust and vermin, right, destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, you kind of hear what God's saying there, right? He's saying, don't store up for yourselves treasures in the here and now. Why? Because there's a day that's coming when you will be able to clearly see that that treasure, treasure will no longer have value. The moment after you breathe your last breath, the, the moment after, how much is, is, is this stuff gonna, is this stuff gonna matter? It's not gonna matter a bit, right? The, the moment Jesus comes back, the moment that we die, right? There's a, con, a, a currency conversion that will happen. And for, at that point, we will be able to see clearly only the, the, the ways that we have used this stuff in, a, in alignment and in accordance with God's kingdom and his purposes and his plans, those are the only things that will matter from that point forward. That's, that's the only thing that will have lasting value. So why not invest it in stuff that's going to last? What's going to last? I mean, like we said, God's kingdom people, right? The church, anything that was done for Jesus Christ. Listen to this. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist church, put it this way. He says, I judge all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. God used that guy to change the world in his day. David Livingston, a well-known missionary author, all kinds of stuff, says this. He says, I place no value on anything I have or possess except in relationship to the kingdom of Christ. If anything I have will advance that kingdom, it shall be given or kept. Whatever is best will best promote the glory of him to whom I owe all my hopes, both now and for eternity. I mean, these guys had learned that uh, earthly time and talents and treasure will be worthless if they aren't invested for all eternity. That's what they poured out their lives for. And like I said, God used them to change the world. We are on week number two of a series that we're doing here at Ignite called Entrusted. And it's a series that's focusing on this whole concept, this whole idea that you and I are stewards. We are managers. Everything we have in our lives has been entrusted to us by God for a purpose. 
our time, our talent, our treasure, the opportunities we have, the skills that we have, the relationships that we have, the influence we have, the gifts that we have, they are all on loan to us from God and they're to be used for his purposes. And one day we'll have to give an account to him for how we invested and used the whole of our lives. We'll stand before him one day and have to share how how we've used what he has entrusted to us. Last week, we read the story of the parable of the talents, and I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to teach from it because there, there's a ton to learn, a ton that we can look at and continue to, 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 to sort of uh, learn, and, and I think it'll stretch and shape us as we dig into it again. We'll probably read it next week as well, just because there's so much rich stuff in here. And I think specifically when it comes to viewing our money, uh, I think God has a lot to teach us in this. So the big idea here is, right, Jesus is, is pleading with his followers to learn to view their lives as managers or stewards of everything that he's entrusted to them, to live their lives in such a way that they are investing in stuff that will last. And so let's jump in, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. And we'll get some lessons here in a little bit from it. It says this again, it, Jesus says, the kingdom of God, life with God, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five talents or five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one, one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the guy with two, two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off. He dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. For you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. So the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. I've been, you know, you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And so I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew I had harvested where I have not sown or gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, uh, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one with 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And he says, and throw that worthless servant out outside and at the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so what's the point of the story? We talked about this last week, right? The point of the story is to invest our lives, our time, our talent, our treasure in such a way that when conversion day comes, that you and I have invested our lives wisely, the way the master wants us to and stuff that will last. Those who invest wisely will be grateful they did for all eternity, right? Have great reward awaiting them, he says. They'll be rewarded and they will truly be rich. Those that have squandered what the master has entrusted to them says will be left with nothing. They will suffer loss. 
Well, here's the point sort of of the day. Here's, here's the image that I just kept seeing again and again. I've, I've shared stuff like this before, but I, I really think when it comes to uh, learning to be stewards of the treasure, of the stuff that has been uh, entrusted to you and to me, I think the picture from the Bible is that life works best when we live like this with open hands, right? Surrendered to Christ rather than like this, rather than clutching and holding on and saying, my, my, my. I think the, the, the picture from scripture is that God is consistently asking you and I to open up our schedules, to open up our gifts, our talents, our finances, our resources to him and to use them for his purposes. We are merely managers or stewards of everything that God has entrusted to us. And when we quit holding on to our stuff so tightly, when we quit holding on to our money and our lives really so tightly, and we open up our hands and our heart and our lives fully to God and say, God, all I have, all I am is yours. How do you want me to use my one and only life? When we start to live our lives that way, you know what happens? We find freedom and life that we were born for. Well, I want to uh, hit kind of four points from this passage when it comes to, to us living our lives as good, good and faithful stewards of the treasure, of the, the resources that God has entrusted to us. And I get that these are a little different than what we typically have been taught. I get that it's a little different from what the world teaches, but this is, I think, God's truth. And it is freeing and it is good if we'll embrace it. The first kind of lesson is that God owns it all. Right? God owns all. He does. I read an article a while back that about some people that lived in West Palm Beach and uh, a, a movie uh company came in. They were going to film some stuff and wanted to know if they could uh, use this person's yard. So they pulled up and they go and they knock on the door and the person that lives there opened up the door and they said, hey, we've, we've got this idea. We want to use, you know, your house and this whole area um, sort of in this movie. And so is it okay? And the person living there said, sure, it's fine. Go ahead and use it. Well, the only problem with the whole deal was that they, uh, a little while later, the people that actually owned the house found out about this and the, the, the camera crews are rolling in there. They're driving through the yard. They're tearing stuff up. They're changing the house. They're doing all this damage. And the person that owned the house and the person that lived in the house were not the same people, right? They were, they were renters. They were just tenants that were living there. And so you can imagine that the owners were pretty upset when they found out. But the mistake was made because they assumed that because these people lived in the house, that they owned it. And I think we make the same mistake all the time, don't we? I mean, we, we, we make a major mistake when we assume that just because we're walking through life and God has given us some things, he's given us cars to drive or houses to live in or gifts or talents or time or whatever. We assume that because we have them, that we are the owner of all those things. The time we have, the possessions and money, most of the time we think that we are ultimately the owners of all that we possess. Let me give you an example if if you think I'm wrong. How many of us have ever gotten a raise at some point in our lives? I've asked this before, different things. But how many of us have gotten a significant raise where we're now making maybe thousands of dollars more uh, at, at this point than we were the previous year? Yeah? Got, I mean, significant kind of money. How many of us have ever, when we've gotten that kind of significant raise, how many of us thought, hey, maybe God's, get, maybe our, how many of us was, our first thought was, hey, maybe God's given this money to me so I could, to give it away to somebody else. Was that your first thought? How many of us, how many of us saw that? You, 
probably not many of us, right? Probably most of us start thinking like, hey, this is my money. Now I have more to do with, right? More that I, I, can, I can get that new car. I can get a, a bigger TV. I can, I can, right? And the reason that we think that kind of stuff is why? Because I really believe that this money is mine. And that's, that's sort of the, of course we do, right? It's my money. We've, we've learned this from about two years old onward, right? We learned that, that powerful little word, mine, right? And we, we hang on to that all the way through. It's my money. It's my toys. It's my stuff. We re, but we really kind of believe this. Nothing could be further from the truth from God's perspective. It's a totally different perspective. What if you really are a steward, what if, what if what the Bible teaches is true? What if all money, all possessions, what if everything that you have has been given to you by God, by an all-loving, all-powerful, all-good God, and he's entrusted you with possessions and money, even the ability to make money for his purposes because he wants to use you to impact your world? What if there's a different purpose for your money and for my money than what the world's been telling us. I tell you, there were all kinds of people, but including all the writers of scripture that really did believe that God owns everything. It's all from him. Listen to just a few of these verses. We could list dozens and dozens and dozens of them, but just look at a few of these. First Chronicles 29, 14 says this, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? They were uh, giving a gift to the temple. It says, everything comes from you, God, and we have given you only what has come from your hand. Do you see, do you see that? He's saying, are you kidding me? I mean, of course, of course, it's all yours anyway, God. And they're saying, even when we give back to you, it's, it's from you in the first place, right? We're just, we're just doing what you think, what we think you want us to do with, with the money that you have entrusted into our care. It's all from you. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, right? So, even that doesn't originate with us. God is the one that has given us skills and abilities. He's created us. He's given us the ability to be able to make wealth, to provide for our families and ourselves. But it's all from him. Colossians 1.16 puts it this way. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him or by him and for him. It's all from him. Everything we have comes from God. Our lives, breath in our lungs, our time, our money, our ability to make money, it all comes from God. He is the provider. He has given us everything we need. Even the parable of the talent starts out with this. It says, a master goes on a long journey, and before he goes, he calls his masters to him, and he entrusts his property to them. He entrusts his gold into their care. And then he goes away on a long journey with the understanding that he's going to come back and settle up accounts. But he has entrusted his money, his resources into their care. It's all his. Jesuit theologian John uh, Howey says this. He says, it's absolutely false to ever use the words, my money. He says, it's a radical fallacy to consider wealth as our own. It's not my wealth, he says. It's a lie. My does not fit with the word money or wealth. Nation's wealth, it's a lie. Corporate wealth, he says, is a lie. Whatever wealth I have entrusted to me is not mine. It's the wealth of the owner. 
If there's anything worth hearing, he says, it's the statement, my must never again be attached to money or wealth. It's not my money. It's not my wealth. It's not my house. It's not my car. Rather, it's the master's and I am merely a manager. That is the truth of God's word. It might not resonate with us. It might be like, do not, does not compute in our brains, but it's the truth. And to be honest, it's something that if we grasp and we grab onto, it can be so freeing. It's all his. If we think it's ours, it's so easy for us to become greedy or grabby or fearful or controlling with our money. But when we begin to, to open up our hands, when we begin to surrender it to God, recognizing that it's all from his hand anyway, It's just entrusted to us for his purposes. All of a sudden, we can be free to to use it how he leads us, to use it as it should be used. Let me just hit the pause button for one second and say, how are you doing on this one? I mean, do you really believe this stuff? Do do I really believe this this stuff? If you or I got a sense that God wanted you to to give your nicest vehicle away to, to a neighbor that needs it, would that be a big deal to you? Kind of, wouldn't it? Right? I mean, God, what are you doing? This is mine, right? It's mine. What do we really believe about our possessions? Mine. Do we have closed fists or do we really believe God is all from you? You're the provider. You're not broke. You're good. And I can follow you and I can trust you with all this kind of stuff. Would it be a big deal to give away your new TV that you love or your new gaming system or your new computer, your new phone or your new whatever? That'd be a big deal to you. It it is, and it's an honest answer, right? It, It is sometimes, but I think it's because at our core, I'm not sure we believe this. But God says, if you would just buy this, right? If you just believe and buy into this, it could be so freeing for you. Friends, everything we own, all the time we have, every talent, every ability, every spiritual gift, our possessions, our dollar, our days, it all has come from God and belongs to him and needs to be treated with open hands, saying, God, however you want me to spend what you have entrusted to me, I'll do it. It's all yours anyway. Use it however you wish. Second lesson, it's implied in this, but I'll hit it real briefly, uh, is this, we are only managers, Right? God owns it all, but he has entrusted it into your care and into my care for his purposes. It's all his, but he asks you and I to manage it. He owns it. We manage it. Everything we have. We're trustees of this kind of stuff. Even the parable of talents, again, it starts out, uh, right? Again, it, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And then after a long time, he came back and they had to return uh, and settle accounts with him. God has entrusted you and me with different amounts of resources, gifts, time, talents, money, whatever, to accomplish God-given goals. When we realize that we are merely managers of God's life and resources and that we'll be held accountable, all of a sudden it brings perspective to our lives. It helps to remember and to live for what's important. We need to remember that we're managers of God's stuff. The third thing takes us to the third one. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. This is crazy, but it's true. 
If God owns everything, and if God has entrusted it to you and me to carry out his purposes and his plans here on this earth, then every decision we make has significance regarding our finances. Every decision becomes a spiritual decision. Every time we write out a check, we are spending God's money. It's a spiritual decision. Every time we write a check, we will stand before Christ one day and have to give an account for how, he, how we've used what he has entrusted into our care. Are you with me? Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. I believe that it's not only what we give to the Lord, but what we do with the rest of our money that again shows where our values and our hearts are. Let me share share with you a quote from a guy by the name of Ron Blue. He's a financial dude, um, writes a lot of books and that kind of stuff. He says this, he says, you can't fake stewardship. Your checkbook reveals what you really believe about stewardship and about Jesus. A life story could be written from your checkbook. It reflects your goals, your priorities, your convictions, your relationships, even your use of time. A person who's been a Christian for even a short while can fake prayer. They can fake Bible study and evangelism and going to church and so on. But you can't fake what the checkbook reveals. He goes on and says, maybe that's why we're so secretive about our personal finances. You know, when a business or a government suspects fraud of some sort, you know what they do? They follow the money trail, don't they? They follow where the money and the checks got spent because they tell stories about motives. They tell stories about the decisions that were made, about intent, about what was important or what they were trying to do. Whether whether they are right or they are wrong, they tell a story. They don't just follow the verbal trail or what someone says, but they follow the money trail. Our money trail reveals who we really are. That's why Jesus says, watch how you spend your money because where your treasure is, is where your heart goes, right? The way we spend our money draws our hearts in that direction. It draws us towards that kind of stuff. And and God cares a ton about your heart. And so he says, be real careful, be real careful about where your treasure is, about how you use your wealth, how you spend your money, about what you believe even about your money because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If our hearts are in sync with God, where should our money go? You think if our hearts are in sync with God and we understand that it's all his anyway and we understand, right, that, that uh, we are just managers of what he's entrusted to us and our, our overall stance before him is one of open hands saying, God, it's all yours. How do you want me to spend your money? Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. So if we're living our lives surrendered to him and trying to follow him in this area of our lives, what kinds of things do you think should show up in your checkbook? What do you think? You think caring for the poor might show up sometime? Think that might be a deal? What else? You think providing for your family might might show up in this deal? Of course it should. It's a spiritual decision too. We are to care for our families well, right? Do you think do you think stuff like kingdom priorities, the local church mission, the mission of Jesus around the world, do you think those things would show up in your checkbook if if you were living your life this way? You think that's true? Of course it would, right? Do you think things like caring for widows or orphans, 
right? Uh, some of this kind of stuff, of course it would. Think serving and helping neighbors that are in need, homeless people, ministries that serve that, whatever. Yeah, all of a sudden, God's priorities would be showing up in our checkbooks. Why? Because we are living our lives with the realization that it's all his anyway. He's entrusted it to us, but for his purposes. And we are trying to follow and serve and do with the resources he has entrusted to us what he wants. Is this different from what you're typically taught as you grow up? Is it different than what you see on TV? Is it different than what you experience in the workplace? It's drastically different. But man, this is, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus with, and to live as good stewards with our time, with our talent, with our treasure in every way. And Jesus says, man, those who live that way, that when the day comes that the currency conversion happens and you have to stand before God, those that live that way, he says, will hear, well done, well done. It was worth it. You've been faithful with what I've entrusted to you. Now I will put you in charge of more. Come and share in your master's happiness, he says. You and I are meant to live our lives as stewards of what he has entrusted to us. Let me give you an example. I remember um, years ago I had uh, some inheritance money. My grandparents had died and left me um, some money. And uh, and I tell you what, it, it was not a ton, but it was, you know, I don't know, $1,500 maybe or something like that. Maybe a thousand. I don't remember now. But it was a significant chunk of money. We were in our early to mid twenties, that was a huge amount of money for us. And, uh, and, uh, so we'd gotten that money had been sitting in our account for a little bit. And, uh, uh, boy, I, I tell you, I started dreaming, uh, instantly about how I was going to use that money. And I mean, I, I had all kinds, I'd gone through all kinds of lists in my head. And finally I decided, uh, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy a guitar. I was leading worship every week at that point, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a really nice guitar, something that'll last, something that's got great, um, I mean, great sound to it, but also good uh, to hook into a sound system, all this kind of stuff. And so I started looking around, and I landed on uh, what I believed was the perfect guitar for me. Man, it was beautiful. The you know the heavens uh, split, the light came down, angels began to sing, and I was sitting there, I was playing it. I'd go in um, maybe once a month or something and sit down on this on this stool and get the guitar out that I was going to, that I was going to buy. And I was, I'd, I'd play it and I'd, you know, stroke it. <laughs> like, I don't know, my precious. That kind of thing. I love that guitar. I had my eyes and my heart fully set on it. And, uh, at the time we were, uh, we were going through a season as a church where there was some significant need. And, um, and I have to say, God started messing with me on this deal. And God started kind of, as I was praying and even as I'm preaching and I'm preparing messages and that kind of stuff, I'm like, oh crap, right? I mean, God's like nudging me and saying, you know, that money, I know you have plans for it, but I want you to give it to the church. And I was like, God, that's like, I mean, we'll never get that much money again. I'll never have another. I mean, there's no way at that, at that point we were making nothing. I mean, and that represented more than we could save in a long time. And so we were, we, I was, I struggle with it. Like Josh was saying, right? I mean, I was struggling like, you know, oh man, but this is my inheritance. It's mine, right? My, my guitar, my precious, all that kind of stuff. I was, and it was, I mean, it sounds nice to be able to say it now, but I, it was a real wrestling for me for a, 
I don't know, a couple of weeks. I'm just back and forth with God on this deal. And finally, uh, I just, I, I, I could just hear God nudging me and just saying, you know what, Russ, it's my money. It's not, it's not yours. It's, it's my money. I've entrusted it to you. And I'm telling you, would you trust me? Yeah. And so I, I finally got to the point and said, okay, I surrender. And so we wrote, I wrote the check out for the whole thing, gave it away. And uh, it was hard. I'd like to say, oh, man, that was great and whatever. It was a hard moment. It was hard to give. Even I, it was hard, and I wrestled with it for a while. Uh, and yet at the same time, I knew I was using it like God wanted me to. I mean, I just had that sense of his smile and his, his presence. And uh, I, I don't know, I've shared, with, I've shared this maybe with some of you before, but I mean, the amazing thing was a few months later, um, it was my birthday, had some friends that call us up, took us out to Red Lobster, had a great meal, and oh, it was yummy and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and afterwards, they took, they took us to a, uh, a music store in the area, a guitar store, and they brought us in. They sat, sat me down. Uh, the guy took the most expensive guitar in the place. It was like thousands of dollars. I don't know. It was really something. He sat it on my lap and he said, I feel like God has told me that I'm to buy you any guitar in the place. And he said, just to show you that I'm, that I mean it, I'd be happy to buy you this one. He said, or any other one that you want. And he's like, and and he's like, I just feel like it's from God and God's got a lesson for you in it. And I tell you what, I mean, it's, it was jaw dropping. I kind of cried a little bit. I was, it was crazy, but there was a lesson in it, right? That's that, that I'm reminded of pretty much anytime I pick up my guitar, right? It's a reminder that man, when I hold on to things, you know what that leads to? That leads to loss. When I hang on to things, you know what? If, if I'd have hung on to it, the day would have come when I would have looked back and I'd have had nothing to show for it. And yet Jesus says, man, there's, there's a better way to live. When we open up our hands, when we surrender our lives and every part of it, including our finances, which, which is the hard part sometimes. And we say, it's not mine anyway. It's yours. How do you want me to spend what you have entrusted to me? When we live like that, he says, you know what? There will be great reward. Sometimes in this life, sometimes not but for certain in eternity because a currency conversion is coming in. And that day it will be clear to all of us. Only what we've entrusted to Christ will last. Fourth one, we hit this last week. So I don't spend any time on it at all, but being a faithful manager requires action. It's not like, like we said, it's not enough just to say it or to think and be like, Oh yeah. Good message, pastor, right? I mean, kind of thing. But, but the faithful manager is the one who not only hears and knows the stuff, but puts it into practice and lives their life to that end. They will be the ones that will be rewarded. I don't know where you're at with God today. I'm not sure how he might be nudging you or tapping you on the shoulder. We've got a couple of different opportunities that are super practical. Uh, I mentioned the, uh, or uh, Katie mentioned the uh, compassion fund deal. This is a once a year. We, we, we try to be really careful in asking. We're not up here asking for all kinds of extra stuff on a regular basis, but this is the one time of year that we say, hey, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, would you take some time? Would you pray about and would you act on whatever God prompts you to do. This is in a way that will, uh, I'm sorry, these funds are used to help the poor. That's it. 
There's no overhead. There's no anything else. It's helping people inside the church and outside of the church. We've helped dozens and dozens of people this year. We've given away thousands of dollars to help people, uh, to help with sometimes rent or a power bill. We've helped redo some houses or some apartments or some, some things like that. I mean, we've done, it's been some amazing opportunity for us to be the church. Uh, to our community. And so this, maybe this is one of the areas that this week, what if you and I were to take that seriously and say, you know what, God, all I have is yours anyway. I'm, I am merely a, a manager or a steward of what you've entrusted to me. So what's my part? What would you ask of me? I'm in, I'm yours. Lead me and direct me for how you want me to spend the money that you've entrusted to me. And then do what he prompts you to do. I've mentioned uh, this morning as well, just the, the, the need for some upfront funds for, for, that, for the new uh, place that we're going to be moving into. Maybe, maybe that's a thing. Maybe, you, maybe he prompts you to, to do something there. And again, we're not giving you the shakedown or whatever. I'm asking you to pray about it and to do what you feel like God's prompting you to do. Right? That kind of a thing. Maybe there's a, you know, maybe uh, you're not you're not used to giving to the church and maybe God will prompt you to do something there. Maybe he'll prompt you to start tithing and trusting him with that area of your life. Maybe there's a neighbor or a coworker or a friend that's going through a super rough patch and he will prompt you directly to say, you know what? We should take some of your money this season and help them out. Maybe there's, something that, maybe there's something that you own that God will prompt you and nudge you and say, you know what? I want you to give that to somebody else somebody that needs it. Maybe he'll prompt you to support or to start making a difference in, uh, in, in a homeless ministry in this area, or maybe the school that, that we're partnering with. Who knows, right? I don't know. My, my, only, uh, my only point in all of this is we ha- what we have has been entrusted to us by God for a reason. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a person and I want to be a part of a church where we live that way. Right, where we live this stuff out. Because I'll tell you what, there's nothing better. It's amazing to see what God does as we trust him and we follow him and we remember that it's all his. We try to live and follow his spirit's leading uh, with, our, with our finances, right? With our time, our talent, our treasure, our opportunities, our friendships. When we open up our hands finally and say, God, I'm all in. Would you lead me and guide me half your way? Let's close in prayer. Father, that's our cry this morning. And it's my cry anyway, God. I want to be the kind of guy that, um, that is soft and moldable in your hand, one that is led by your spirit, one that is submitted to your plans and purposes and uh, that lives for you in every area of my life and in our lives. And so we pray, God, would you come and would you soften our hearts on this deal? I know finances is a tough, tough one for us to deal with. And yet I know you care about our hearts. And so you tell us to be real careful with that kind of stuff. So this morning, God, we want to just submit our treasure, our, our finances, our, our homes, our families, our lives to you afresh. And we pray, God, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. God, would help us to lift this stuff out. Open up our ears to hear the promptings of your spirit. Give us courage to follow where you lead. I pray that we wouldn't just talk a good game about a relationship with Jesus, but that, Lord, we would learn 
to live our lives with you and in you. In our relationships, in our jobs, in our homes, with our finances, with gifts that you've entrusted to us, the time you've given us in every sphere, God. May your will be done. May you be honored. May the mission of Jesus advance. May kingdom currency be what we build our lives on and the legacy that we leave behind. We love you. We need you. We offer ourselves to you afresh this morning. In Jesus' name.